Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very second podcast episode of Beyond the Ring, Everything Boxing, Great Insight, Awesome Analysis, Preview of Fights to Come, Fights That Have Just Passed, I'll Give You My Opinion of Them, The Performance of the Different Fighters, and Everything Boxing. So let's just jump right in. Let's just go down a little preview first of what I'd like to talk about today, and then we can start breaking everything down. So... Just this past weekend, we had some really, really great fights in Las Vegas. Uh, on the same card, there was Naoa Inoue, a bantamweight champion from Japan. He is His nickname is The Monster, and if you've ever seen him fight, then you know, you'll know completely <laughs> why he receives that nickname. Uh, he had fought Michael Dasmarinas, and... I'll jump into that fight. It was a victory for Naoa Inoue, and it was a slugfest. And I'll break that down in a few minutes, but the next one on that very same card was actually for women's boxing. That was Michaela Mayer versus Erica Farias. That was a great fight, too. That was for the Women's Junior Lightweight Championship. Michaela Mayer was the champion who was victorious held her title defense and is and still the champion. In addition to that, I want to preview this upcoming weekend where Vasily Lomachenko, former lightweight champion, will be squaring off against Masayoshi Nakatani for a lightweight uh, title lightweight uh, boxing fight. <laughs> Not a title defense, but that should be a very good fight as well. And I'll also wrap up and touch on the Wilder Fury 3 Heavyweight Championship of the World that will take place at the end of July. So, lots to talk about, so let's just jump right in. I first talked about the Naoa Inoue against Michael Dasmarinas for the Bantamweight Championship that happened this past week. And for those who have never seen Inoue fight, he, just to give you a little background on him, he's actually number two right now on pound for pound list of boxing rankings according to Ring Magazine, the Bible of Boxing. Number one is Canelo Alvarez. I have no judgment on that. I think anyone that they throw in front of Canelo, he will beat. Inoue is two. Number three is welterweight champion Terrence Bud Crawford. Inoue, if you've never seen him fight, a, he's undefeated. He is very tactful, uh, very tact- tactful. Excuse me, in his approach at first, he kind of sizes up his opponents, kind of analyzes him, analyzes them, what they're all about, and then he pretty much strikes th- strikes them like a cobra. If you follow me on Twitter at Alex Nardone seventeen. I was tweeting about the fight, and just the way he was following Desmarinas around the ring was absolutely crazy. He looked like a cobra if you put a cobra in front of anyone who's trying to, or anything that's trying to mess with a cobra. Every single move he had an answer for, every single punch, every approach he either countered or blocked, and when it was his time to strike, he, str- he struck like a cobra. So if you're telling me the whole monster thing, definitely he shows that monster approach. Nothing's going to take me down. But he was so sleek and so quick. 
and not only defensively is he so fast, but his jabs and his hooks. For those who watched the fight and those who didn't, Desmarinas lost in the third round by TKO. Inoue got him in this huge, huge liver shots, and he went down in severe, severe pain. He went down like a tree in the forest. Inoue is not really an up-and-coming fighter, but he's a fighter who, especially in the U.S., he's only had a few professional bouts in the U.S. He's mainly fought in Japan. But his fights in the U.S. are so undervalued and not really watched yet. And I think it's partially for a couple of reasons. One, he's still infant, I think, in the exposure that he's receiving in the United States for boxing. And B, I think people just aren't really familiar with his fighting style yet. And that's probably part of the reason he's not gotten that exposure. In the smaller weight divisions in boxing, you have the lightweight, featherweight, welterweight. Those are pretty dominated by big names like Teofima Lopez, obviously multiweight, Terrence Brooke Crawford, and Errol Spence. But in the bantamweight division, there is no competition for him, <laughs> in my opinion. He does have some other contenders that were showcased and shown in the audience during the fight. One is Nonito Denari from the Philippines. He is currently the WBC bantamweight champion. The other one is John Riel Cosimero from the Philippines as well. He is the WBO champion. If those fights are going to be made for Inoue, Naoa Inoue, for a, within the bantamweight division, I fully expect him to go into the ring, take the same approach as a Cobra. I'm sticking by that approach. He's really, really fun to watch. He tracks his opponents down the ring, sizes them up, lets them do their thing, and then he strikes. He comes at you like a speeding bullet, amazing jabs, accuracy, and finishes you off and leaves you for dead. Hits you in the ring, couple of big shots. It's either TKO or bust. I'm not too sure if he's ever had a fight go gone a distance, but in the fights that I've seen him uh, square up against, he fought obviously this past weekend, and he fought back last October against one of the Maloney brothers. And those fights, both of them, he sized them up, sized up the opponent, went in, took care of business, and like I just said, left the opponent for dead. And I have full confidence in him that if he fights a Nonito Denari for the for the WBC belt and John Riel Cosimero for the WBO belt, I have full confidence and fully expect him to do the same approach. Size them up, strike, leave them for dead. I don't see anything else. Down the road for NUA, he's currently bantamweight now. It could be really, really cool if he were to explore other options, because I don't think there's going to be any competition for him within the bantamweight division. I meant other options about him maybe moving up in weight. Maybe go to light flyweight, super light, super flyweight. Possibly if he puts on some more muscle, maybe take a crack at the lightweight division. That's about maybe 12 pounds of muscle. That's 12 pounds in weight that he would have to make up. But you know what? Based on what I've seen from Naoa anyway, 
I don't see any challenge that this guy really can't take on. He is put in a situation, no matter what they throw at him, I fully expect him to continue his reign within the bantamweight division to move up to flyweight, and I expect him to conquer flyweight, and then, who knows, down the road, maybe lightweight as well. And lightweight division is absolutely stacked. There is so much going on in the lightweight division, and... That will just bring me into my next point that I want to go into. This upcoming Saturday, on the 26th of June, we have another great lightweight bout between former lightweight champion Vasily Lomachenko and Masayoshi Nakatani. This is a really interesting fight because my last podcast... I went into the term, I'm not sure if it's been thrown around or it's something I use, something called a hype fight. Hype fight is when a contender or a champion, a current champion, is given an opponent that they are heavily favored and the champion or the heavily favored contender is expected to win. And the point of that pretty much is to recap all of my listeners, to have that fight be an easy win to promote future fights down the road, to hype up the contender or the champion. A hype fight. It's almost like being put in a situation where you're expected to win, people know you can, and it's almost easy money, easy work, light work. However, though, always remember, never take an opponent for granted. Andy Ruiz did beat Anthony Joshua in June of 2019. No one had thought Andy Ruiz would have a shot. He was an 11-1 underdog. Always remember, the other person on the side of the ring, no matter how much they are bet against, an underdog by how many, how much of a point spread that there may be for an underdog in betting, always remember, the other guy on the side of the ring, he's there for one reason, one reason only, to try to take a head off. So, never take an opponent lightly, is what I'm just trying to sum up saying. So back to this weekend, we got Vasily Lomachenko, currently ranked number one in the lightweight division. The champion, of course, is Teofimo Lopez. Lopez had defeated Lomachenko last fall. So this is a big fight for Lomachenko. It's his first fight since being defeated by Teofimo Lopez. And he's fighting a pretty worthy contender in Masayoshi Nakatani. Like I said, Lomachenko is ranked one. Nakatani is ranked nine within the light within the lightweight division. So I did say this could be a hype fight, but you know what? I'm really kind of expecting this to maybe possibly go the distance. I would not be surprised. Lomachenko is a highly, highly skilled boxer. Do not sleep on him within the lightweight division. But Nakatani has a lot of capability. He's very fast. Lomachenko is a little bit older in his career within the lightweight division for what a champion would be. Teofimo Lopez is obviously much younger than him when he defeated him last fall. But Nakatani, I'm expecting him to give Lomachenko a little bit of a fight. Lomachenko is a terrific fighter. I'm expecting him to win. But you know what? Hype fight or not, it's still two ranked opponents within the lightweight division. I'm expecting a good fight. I said a hype fight at first, but I'm going to change my opinion, (laughs) change my approach. I'm expecting Lomachenko to win. I'm going to go via decision, unanimous decision. If I'm right, great. Then in that case, it probably 
may have been a hype fight for him to move up, not really in the rankings because he's ranked number one, but in the public eye of Ring Magazine and also the WBC, WBO, all these different councils who view fights, make them happen. And that could definitely turn the heads of other promoters within lightweight division. I would not be surprised and I would not be opposed to down the road for a rematch between Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez. Lopez, I don't think won, he won the fight. He won unanimous decision. I would have given him a majority decision for that fight. That fight back in the fall, October of 2020. I think it was kind of split. It went 12 rounds of boxing. I think it was maybe 7-5 Lopez. Lomachenko, the first, I would say, four or five rounds was definitely unmatched. You definitely saw him not being the better fighter. Lopez was definitely in the driver's seat the first part of that fight. But second half of that fight, Lomachenko, like he always does, turned on the gas. He's a very accurate puncher. He knows how to land his jab, size up his opponents. So for that fight back in the fall of last year for the lightweight championship between Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez, for that to be granted a unanimous decision, I would have reconsidered that and maybe just gone majority or possibly even split. Who knows? But it was a good fight. If they were to fight off and square off again, that would be great for boxing fans. Lomachenko is still a threat within a lightweight division, and I'm expecting him to beat Nakatani this upcoming Saturday. Nakatani is no slouch. He has a record of 19-1. Ironically, that only loss for Nakatani was against current lightweight champion Teofimo Lopez in July 2019. So both Lomachenko and Nakatani both have that in common, losing to the current lightweight champion. So we'll see what happens. I'm expecting him to win, and we'll see what other fights could be made from within the lightweight division. Obviously, last weekend, I was very excited, as I mentioned on the previous podcast, about the upcoming fight that was supposed to happen in Miami between Lomachenko and Gambosis for lightweight championship. That fight, unfortunately, did not happen. Teofima Lopez has tested positive for COVID-19, so that fight is temporarily on hold. I'm not sure if they have secured a rescheduled date for that bout. I'm expecting Lopez to win that easily. I, Like I said last week on the show, that is a hype fight. <laughs> uh, Lopez, excuse me, is head and shoulders ahead of above Cambosis and I'm expecting him if that fight were to happen again him to completely take care of business and start getting some of these big big title fights for unified unification unanimous uh, champion between obviously a big fight against Devin Haney that could happen later this year so those are really the fights that we want Cambosis I think is just kind of a placeholder hype fight for him to get back in the ring again for the first time since defeating Lomachenko for the championship. So that's a big fight yet to happen too. So upcoming this Saturday, everybody, June 26th, that's going to be a big fight for a an, within the lightweight division between Vasily Lomachenko and Masayoshi Nakatani. So be sure to check out that. It's going to be a great, great bout. I want to also revisit 
a fight from last weekend that was on the NUA Dees Marinos card. That was the Women's Junior Lightweight Championship between Michaela Mayer and Erica Farias. Great fight as well. Very, very great fight. Just to give you a little bit of background on each of the fighters, the champion is Michaela Mayer. She was 14, now 15-0 for the WBO championship within the women's light, junior lightweight division. And she was being challenged by Erica Farias, former champion within the division as well. Very, very good fight. Um, I'm spotlighting this one in particular because two reasons. One, it was on that card and I watched it and I wanted to talk about it. But also... Michaela Mayer, I would remember that name. She has incredible capability, and I think she is destined to do some pretty incredible things within the lightweight divisions. Now, she's currently in the junior lightweight division. The lightweight division in women's boxing is completely dominated by Katie Taylor. So, before the fight last week, when Michaela Mayer was 14-0, she was ranked 10 in the women's pound-for-pound rankings. Since her defeat over Erica Farias last weekend, she has jumped up to to rank number eight. So she's moving up the ranks. I think she has a great, great skill set to take on a champion like Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor has majority of the belts. Michaela Mayer just has the WBO currently for the women's junior lightweight division. And... I see a lot of different fighters within her approach when she fought last weekend. And I'll just give you a little bit of a background. She's trained by Al Mitchell, who is a legendary boxing coach. He's trained a number of great champions, both male and more recently female, with Michaela Mayer, which he took on a few years ago. Some of the male champions that she... that excuse me, Al Mitchell has trained, have been Floyd Mayweather, I believe Andre Ward, possibly Pernell Whitaker as well too. He has a great pedigree of success for both Olympic boxing and for professional boxing as well. Michaela Mayer, under his tutelage and coaching, I think she shows a little bit of a Floyd Mayweather aspect to her. And I'll just give you a little bit of a synopsis of how I saw that within the fight. So within the fight, it was a 10-round bout between Michaela Mayer, the champion, and Erica Farias, the contender. Within the fight, her approach towards Farias, Michaela Mayer really shows a lot of patience, a lot of analytics in her fighting, as did Floyd Mayweather, lets the opponent do what they're going to do, kind of shows what they're all about. And she really did that with Erica Farias. Erica Farias came out guns hot. She was stepping on, had the foot on the gas from the first round. In the second round of that fight, Erica Farias really nailed uh, Mayer a few times, which kind of left her a little wobbly in the second round, about maybe halfway towards the on the second half of the second round. But... Mayor being the champion, held her own, had a great chin, and finished the round, and continued to take that good, safe, defensive approach 
for the remainder of the next couple of rounds. In the fifth round, though, she really, really turned up the gas because for two reasons. I think she was able to analyze Erica Farias as Floyd Mayweather always did first couple rounds or first probably the first half of a fight <laughs> excuse me Floyd Mayweather really sized up his opponents as Michaela Mayer did and that par- partially I think that's under Al Mitchell's coaching Mayweather's a whole other animal within himself but beside the point Mayer really analyzed Farias saw her approach knew that she was going to be she threw a lot of big haymakers towards her and Mayer has she had really really great defense against her let her do her thing and I think she took the fifth round to really make those big moves for two reasons she sized up her opponent's strategy and in addition to that she knew that that Varius was tired you can only go so hard in boxing or in any sport especially a combat sport where you're foot is on the gas for so long before you start to tire. Muhammad Ali did the same exact thing to George Foreman. George Foreman was always throwing haymakers and big, big punches. Ali defended himself the whole fight, and then in the later rounds of the fight, turned up the gas. He did the rope-a-dope. I'm going to let you tire out. I'm going to like defend myself and protect myself. Later rounds of the fight, I'm turning up the gas for two reasons. I know your style, and I know you're tired. Michaela Mayer did the exact same thing. She had a little bit of a bigger reach on Erica Farias, which I think came to her advantage. Her kind of her footwork in which she excelled her movement forward to land a couple big left jabs and then, you know, a big right big right hook towards Farias. I kind of see that a little bit from Mayweather. Partially, I think that's from Al Mitchell's coaching. He had coached both of them. And she really held her own. They both had really, really great chins. Erica Farias took some took some big punishment to the face in I think through, pretty much throughout the whole fight, as did Mayer, but Mayer really landed some match and uh, boxing match deciding punches over her. And ultimately being the champion of the fight, though though, though Mayer did get um did get hit and you can notice it and after the fight she was banged up and bruised being the champion of the fight there's only one way you're really going to beat the champion uh knockout tko corner retirement or if it's completely a lopsided fight like it was in the heavyweight championship between anthony joshua and andy ruiz rematch where you could tell joshua was head and shoulders the better fighter above ruiz uh, Michaela Mayer was the better fighter over Erica Farias. She knew her strategy. She knew what she was all about. And she knew going in what she was capable of doing. She was the champion. She knew how to defend her title. And she did just that. So this could be really interesting down the road for Michaela Mayer. And women's boxing, it doesn't get the same notoriety, obviously, as men's because I think promotion and lack of interest, but it is just as entertaining and those fighters are just as lethal (laughs) within the ring. Always remember, man or woman, you put someone in the ring, they're trying to knock your head off. So people who watch the sport, and we've all done this in any sport, it's like, oh, I could take them on, I could take them on. You know what? Anyone watching a fight, man or woman... Get into the ring with someone like a Michaela Mayer or 
a Katie Taylor, you're not going to be walking out of there the same person. <laughs> you may not be walking out at all. That goes the same for any fighter. So women's boxing, it's it's here. It's growing. And I think on the top rank, who which does a great, great job of prom- promoting, I think it's only going to grow. And a big fight that could happen down the road, I'm telling you now, Michaela Mayer, be on the lookout for her. She has a arsenal of great skills, I think, that can bring her to a big title fight against Katie Taylor for those other belts. She has a great defensive approach. She has really, really good footwork, and she's a little bit taller than other people in the lightweight division, and I think that's going to come in handy. I think being able to defend herself and her reach and what she can accomplish against her opponents, I think is definitely going to be an advantage that she's going to have down the road. So remember the name, Michaela Mayer. I think she's going to be a big name within women's boxing, and she's only rising up the pound-for-pound rankings, and I see that only going up from here. So those are the few fights that I wanted to spotlight going into, A, this weekend between the Lomachenko and Nakatani. I wanted to go back and recap from this past weekend. Unfortunately, the Lopez-Cambosis fight did not occur, but I wanted to recap the Naoa Inoue versus Michael Desmarinas and also the Women's Junior Lightweight Championship between Michaela Mayer and Erica Varius. And I am very interested um, in the final fight that I want to spotlight. It is within the heavyweight division. Heavyweight division is the most decorated, most talked about, received the most publicity within heavyweight boxing, between, in boxing, excuse me. The third fight between Deontay Wilder and champion, now champion, Tyson Fury for the WBC and the lineal ring championship. Third fight is happening this upcoming summer in about just over a month in July 24th. And that's going to be a great fight too. Hopefully. And the fight is very entertaining because it is the, not just the third fight, but it's the first one that Wilder will be fighting after his loss to Tyson Fury in February of 2020. So... The press conference for the first fight, as I was mentioning, was last week, last Tuesday, I believe. And one thing I said in that fight was the best approach that Deontay Wilder could have done was say nothing, was say nothing. The press conference in itself was a snooze fest. It was very boring. I kind of expected that going in. It's the third time they're shelling these three guys out against each other. Um, I didn't really expect it to be really over the top. It was just a table with Wilder's trainer, Sugar Hill Stewart, his promoter, Bob Arum, and it was just Deontay Wilder and his new trainer. Wilder came in. I think he spoke for about 26 seconds. I know he did not speak for very long. He pretty much said... I'm here. I'm here to take care of business. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make sure that he. I'm gonna draw blood on July 24th. As soon as that happened, put his sunglasses on, 
put his headphones on, didn't say again for the rest of the fight. Tyson Fury talked a little bit, did the usual, he's a glutton for punishment, I think he's embarrassed, he's ashamed, that's why he's not talking. You know what, I gotta tell you, any boxing hype for any big fight, especially heavyweight, and I see it in UFC all the time too, for the most part, do these guys not like each other? Probably not. But are they really saying things that are true? They're saying stuff that they know are going to hype up at the fight. People are going to look into it. It's like, oh, man, maybe he is embarrassed. Maybe he is ashamed. Maybe I should buy the pay-per-view. That's, that's the main reason. Because when Floyd Mayweather, I said it last time too, when Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor in 2017, after each of the fights, they did a whole entire big Showtime special on this. After the fight... Floyd Mayweather was in this like lounge and McGregor like walked past him after they just got through yelling and cursing and screaming at each other for about like an hour street McGregor walked through the lounge I think to like it was at I think it was at an airport to his private jet and Mayweather was like how you doing buddy come on <laughs> it's, it's the same exact thing here I'm sure because at the end of the fight like especially at the end of the first fight they were very cordial and at the end of the second fight Fury was very, very cordial towards Wilder. They got shared the ring with him. He gave it his all. And the same exact thing happened with... Um, the same exact thing will happen, excuse me, for the third fight too, hopefully. It, it should. Every I've never seen bad sportsmanship really in boxing. I'm sure it's happened, but in the time that I've seen it, I'm fully expected to be a lot of diplomacy at the end of the third, at the end of this third fight, excuse me. So the preview I just wanted to kind of showcase was Wilder didn't talk much, which I said was the best thing for him to do. If he came in doing his whole entire bomb squads, screaming, doing his whole thing, you know, giving a whole laundry list of excuses that he ran off in between the end of the second fight in February 2020 and today, my water is spiked, my costume was too heavy. I had ankle problems. No one wants to hear that. No one no one wants to hear it at all. And he didn't say that. That was very smart of Deontay Wilder. He went into the fight, into the press conference last week, not ready to fight. He went in, you know what, it's an obligation. I have to do it for the media. I have to do it for the whole press tour and everything, for the promoters. I have to hype up the fight. He pretty much took a page out of Marshawn Lynch's book. Marshawn Lynch, running back of the Seattle Seahawks back in 2014, during Super Bowl media week, he just said the same thing. I'm here so I won't get fined. Deontay Wilder, he showed up so he wouldn't get fined. It was an obligation he knew he had to do. He didn't say anything. He said what he had to say, and that was the best thing probably. He knew Fury was going to talk more. That's always been his personality. Wilder's always had a big mouth too, but you know what? At this point... If you're trying to hype up a heavyweight fight between two fighters for the third time, and the previous two fights was a draw, I think Fury really won the first fight. The 12th down, 12th round knockdown that he suffered from Wilder definitely swayed at that decision to be called a draw. The second fight in rematch in February 2020, it was completely tipped one way. You knew Fury won the former train of Wilder, Mark Brilliant threw in the towel, and you could have seen that Wilder was completely banged up, bleeding from the ear, mouth, he just looked completely unmatched. Wilder, the only thing that would entice me, I'm going to be watching the fight regardless, it's heavyweight championship boxing, but you know what? For casual fans watching this fight, you're either going to watch the fight or you're not going to. 
you're gonna watch the fight because you're interested, you wanna see maybe Wilder's gonna do something different, or you're not gonna watch it, you're tired of watching the third fight between these two guys, you think Fury's the better fighter for the first two fights, you don't have to pay you don't have to pay for it again. You're waiting for the Joshua big big unification bout. But you know what? For those who are on the fence and those who are watching the fight, I'm gonna give you a couple reasons why you should. A, it's heavyweight championship boxing. We've not had really good heavyweight championship boxing being really available to us in some time. Not probably since the whole Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield era. Klitschko was a whole other animal, but you know what? Bottom line is this. Down to Wilder, whether you like him or not, he's a heavyweight champion of the world. He won the heavyweight championship, had it for a number of years, and he's going at the title defense for a third time. So if you are a fan of boxing in the heavyweight division, especially in the American side, which has not really received a lot of love, it's always been dominated by the European rankings for years, which is fine. But if you're interested in heavyweight American championship boxing, Deontay Wilder, he's really the only thing that, that, they're, that they're really going to show out right now. His third fight against Tyson Fury is July 24th. In his YouTube videos, Instagram videos, everything he's been posting, he looks a, a lot bigger. He looked a lot bigger the second fight. He looks like he put on a lot more muscle, a lot more power. You know what he's capable of doing with that power in that right hand. It's like a cinder block coming off a high rise on top of your head. Looks a lot more agile, a lot more quick. We'll have to see. He looks like he has a little more of a different approach than just a couple quick footwork moves to Fury and then a big right hand to erase everything. He looks like he's come with a little more of an arsenal. Let's check it out. Anyone who's interested in heavyweight championship boxing, we want to see an American champion again. We never know. Tune in July 24th for the heavyweight championship. Fury, I'm still going to pick the win. I think he has a better skill set. He has a better boxing IQ. But you know what? In boxing, anything can happen. Andrew Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua. Obviously, Mike Tyson was upset by Buster Douglas. Anything can always happen. All you need is one punch, and Wilder is always capable of doing that. So, this has been a really great podcast. There's been so many great fights to talk about. Next week, I want to dive into the result from the Lomachenko-Nakatani fight. We'll have more upcoming news, hopefully, for the Wilder Fury 3. And I also, next week, I want to go into the pound-for-pound rankings in greater detail. I want to see, are they really accurate? I want to see how they're really being analyzed and why the fighters are being given these rankings. Some I agree with, some I really disagree with. So tune in. This is Beyond the Ring.